Chapter Twenty Five of the Life of Honorable William F. Cody. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Barry Eads. The Life of Honorable William F. Cody by William F. Cody. Chapter Twenty Five. Hunting with the Grand Duke. About the first of January, eighteen seventy-two, General Forsyth and Doctor Ash of Sheridan's staff came out to Fort McPherson to make preparations for a big buffalo hunt for the Grand Duke Alexis of Russia and as this was to be no ordinary affair, these officers had been sent by General Sheridan to have all the necessary arrangements perfected by the time the Grand Duke should arrive. They learned from me that there were plenty of buffaloes in the vicinity, and especially on the Red Willow, sixty miles distant. They said they would like to go over to the Red Willow and pick out a suitable place for the camp. They also inquired the location of the Spotted Tail Sioux Indians. Spotted Tail had permission from the government to hunt the buffalo, with his people during the winter in the Republican River country. It was my opinion that they were located somewhere on the Frenchman's Fork, about 150 miles from Fort McPherson. General Sheridan's commissioners informed me that he wished me to visit Spotted Tail's camp, and induce about 100 of the leading warriors and chiefs to come to the point where it should be decided to locate the Alexis hunting camp, and to be there by the time the Grand Duke should arrive, so that he could see a body of American Indians and observe the manner in which they killed buffaloes. The Indians would also be called upon to give a grand war dance in honor of the distinguished visitor. Next morning General Forsyth and Dr. Ash, accompanied by Captain Hayes, who had been left at Fort McPherson in charge of the 5th Cavalry horses, taking an ambulance and a light wagon to carry their tents, and provisions sufficient to last them two or three days, started, under my guidance, with a small escort, for Red Willow Creek, arriving there at night. The next day we selected a pleasant camping place on a little knoll in the valley of the Red Willow. General Forsyth and his party returned to the post the next day, while I left for Spotted Tail's camp. The weather was very cold, and I found my journey by no means a pleasant one, as I was obliged to camp out with only my saddle blankets. And besides, there was more or less danger from the Indians themselves, for although Spotted Tail himself was friendly, I was afraid I might have difficulty in getting into his camp. I was liable at any moment to run into a party of his young men who might be out hunting, and as I had many enemies among the Sioux, I would be running considerable risk in meeting them. At the end of the first day I camped on Stinking Water, a tributary of the Frenchman's Fork, where I built a little fire in the timber, but it was so very cold I was not able to sleep much. Getting an early start in the morning, I followed up the Frenchman's Fork, and late in the afternoon I could see— from the fresh horse tracks and from the dead buffaloes lying here and there, recently killed, that I was nearing Spotted Tail's camp. I rode on for a few miles further, and then hiding my horse in a low ravine, I crawled up a high hill, where I obtained a good view of the country. I could see four or five miles up the creek, and got sight of a village, and of two or three hundred ponies, in its vicinity. I waited until night came, and then I succeeded in riding into the Indian camp unobserved. I had seen Spotted Tail's camp when he came from the north, and I knew the kind of lodge he was living in. As I entered the village, I wrapped a blanket around my head, so that the Indians could not tell whether I was a white or a red man. In this way I rode around until I found Spotted Tail's lodge. Dismounting from my horse, I opened his tent door, and looked in and saw the old chief lying on some robes. I spoke to him, and he recognized me at once, and invited me to enter. Inside the lodge I found a white man, an old frontiersman, Todd Randall, 
who was Spotted Tail's agent, and who had lived a great many years with the Indians. He understood their language perfectly, and did all the interpreting for Spotted Tail. Through him I readily communicated with the chief, and informed him of my errand. I told him that the warriors and chiefs would greatly please General Sheridan if they would meet him in about ten sleeps at the old government crossing of the Red Willow. I further informed him that there was a great chief from across the water who was coming there to visit him. Spotted Tail replied that he would be very glad to go, that the next morning he would call his people together and select those who would accompany him. I told Spotted Tail how I had entered his camp. He replied that I had acted wisely, that although his people were friendly, yet some of his young men had a grudge against me, and I might have had difficulty with them had I met them away from the village. He directed his squaw to get me something to eat, and ordered that my horse be taken care of, and upon his invitation I spent the remainder of the night in his lodge. Next morning the chiefs and warriors assembled according to orders, and to them was stated the object of my visit. They were asked, Do you know who this man is? Yes, we know him well, replied one. That is Pahihaska, that being my name among the Sioux, which translated means long hair. That is our old enemy. A great many of the Indians who were with Spotted Tail at this time had been driven out of the Republican country. That is he, said Spotted Tail. I want all my people to be kind to him and treat him as my friend. I noticed that several of them were looking daggers at me. They appeared as if they wished to raise my hair then and there. Spotted Tail motioned, and I followed him into his lodge, and thereupon the Indians dispersed. Having the assurance of Spotted Tail that none of the young men would follow me, I started back for the Red Willow, arriving the second night. There I found Captain Egan with a company of the Second Cavalry, and a wagon train loaded with tents, grain, provisions, etc. The men were leveling off the ground, and were making preparations to put up large wall tents for the Grand Duke Alexis and his suite, and for General Sheridan, his staff, and other officers, and invited guests of the party. Proceeding to Fort McPherson, I reported what had been done. Thereupon Quartermaster Hayes selected from the five or six hundred horses in his charge seventy-five of the very best, which were sent to the Red Willow, to be used by Alexis and his party at the coming hunt. In a day or two a large supply of provisions, liquors, etc., arrived from Chicago, together with bedding and furniture for the tents, all of which were sent over to Camp Alexis. At last, on the morning of the 12th of January, 1872, the Grand Duke and party arrived at North Platte by special train, in charge of a Mr. Francis Thompson. Captain Hayes and myself, with five or six ambulances, fifteen or twenty extra saddle horses, and a company of cavalry under Captain Egan, were at the depot in time to receive them. Presently General Sheridan, and a large, fine-looking young man, whom we at once concluded to be the Grand Duke, came out of the cars and approached us. General Sheridan at once introduced me to the Grand Duke as Buffalo Bill, for he it was, and said that I was to take charge of him and show him how to kill Buffalo. In less than half an hour the whole party were dashing away towards the south, across the South Platte and towards the Medicine, upon reaching which point we halted for a change of horses and a lunch. Resuming our ride, we reached Camp Alexis in the afternoon. General Sheridan was well pleased with the arrangements that had been made, and was delighted to find that Spotted Tail and his Indians had arrived on time. They were objects of great curiosity to the Grand Duke, who spent considerable time in looking at them, and watching their exhibitions of horsemanship, sham fights, etc. That evening the Indians gave the grand war dance, 
which I had arranged for. General Custer, who was one of the hunting party, carried on a mild flirtation with one of Spotted Tail's daughters, who had accompanied her father thither, and it was noticed also that the Duke Alexis paid considerable attention to another handsome redskin maiden. The night passed pleasantly, and all retired with great expectations of having a most enjoyable and successful buffalo hunt. The Duke Alexis asked me a great many questions as to how we shot buffaloes, and what kind of a gun or pistol we used, and if he was going to have a good horse. I told him that he was to have my celebrated buffalo horse, Buckskin Joe, and when we went into a buffalo herd, all he would have to do was to sit on the horse's back and fire away. At nine o'clock next morning we were all in our saddles, and in a few minutes were galloping over the prairies in search of a buffalo herd. We had not gone far before we observed a herd some distance ahead of us crossing our way. After that we proceeded cautiously, so as to keep out of sight until we were ready to make a charge. Of course the main thing was to give Alexis the first chance and the best shot at the buffaloes, and when all was in readiness we dashed over a little knoll that had hidden us from view, and in a few minutes we were among them. Alexis at first preferred to use his pistol instead of a gun. He fired six shots from this weapon at buffaloes only twenty feet away from him, but as he shot wildly, not one of his bullets took effect. Riding up to his side and seeing that his weapon was empty, I exchanged pistols with him. He again fired six shots without dropping a buffalo. Seeing that the animals were bound to make their escape without his killing one of them, unless he had a better weapon, I rode up to him, gave him my old reliable Lucretia, and told him to urge his horse close to the buffaloes, and I would then give him the word when to shoot. At the same time I gave old Buckskin Joe a blow with my whip, and with a few jumps the horse carried the Grand Duke to within about ten feet of a big buffalo bull. "'Now is your time,' said I. He fired, and down went the buffalo. The Grand Duke stopped his horse, dropped his gun on the ground, and commenced waving his hat. When his suite came galloping up, he began talking to them in a tongue which I could not understand. Presently General Sheridan joined the group, and the ambulances were brought up. Very soon the corks began to fly from the champagne bottles, in honor of the Grand Duke Alexis, who had killed the first buffalo. It was reported in a great many of the newspapers that I shot the first buffalo for Alexis, while in some it was stated that I held the buffalo while His Royal Highness killed it but the way I have related the affair is the correct version. It was thought that we had had about sport enough for one day, and accordingly I was directed by General Sheridan to guide the party back to camp, and we were soon on our way thither. Several of the party, however, concluded to have a little hunt on their own account, and presently we saw them galloping over the prairie in different directions in pursuit of buffaloes. While we were crossing a deep ravine on our way to camp, we ran into a small band of buffaloes that had been frightened by some of the hunters. As they rushed past us, not more than thirty yards distant, Alexis raised his pistol, fired, and killed a buffalo cow. It was either an extraordinarily good shot or a scratch, probably the latter, for it surprised the Grand Duke as well as everybody else. We gave him three cheers, and when the ambulance came up, we took a pull at the champagne in honor of the Grand Duke's success. I was in hopes that he would kill five or six more buffaloes before we reached camp, especially if a basket of champagne was to be opened every time he dropped one. General Sheridan directed me to take care of the hides and heads of the buffaloes which Alexis had killed, as the Duke wished to keep them as souvenirs of the hunt. 
I also cut out the choice meat from the cow and brought it into camp, and that night at supper Alexis had the pleasure of dining on broiled buffalo steak obtained from the animal which he had shot himself. We remained at this camp two or three days, during which we hunted most of the time, the Grand Duke himself killing eight buffaloes. One day Alexis desired to see how the Indians hunted buffaloes and killed them with bow and arrow, so Spotted Tail, selecting some of his best hunters, had them surround a herd and bring the animals down, not only with arrows, but with lances. The Grand Duke was told to follow upon the heels of one celebrated Indian hunter, whose name was Two Lance, and watch him bring down the game, for this chief had the reputation of being able to send an arrow through and through the body of a buffalo. Upon this occasion he did not belie his reputation, for he sent an arrow through a buffalo, which fell dead at the shot, and the arrow was given to Alexis as a souvenir of his hunt on the American plains. When the Grand Duke was satisfied with the sport, orders were given for the return to the railroad. The conveyance provided for the Grand Duke and General Sheridan was a heavy double-seated open carriage, or rather an Irish dog-cart, and it was drawn by four spirited cavalry horses which were not much used to the harness. The driver was Bill Reed, an old overland stage-driver and wagon-master. On our way in, the Grand Duke frequently expressed his admiration of the skillful manner in which Reed handled the reins. General Sheridan informed the Duke that I had also been a stage-driver in the Rocky Mountains, and thereupon His Royal Highness expressed a desire to see me drive. I was in advance at the time, and General Sheridan sang out to me, "'Cody, get in here and show the Duke how you can drive. Mr. Reed will exchange places with you and ride your horse.' "'All right, General,' said I, and in a few moments I had the reins, and we were rattling away over the prairie. When we were approaching Medicine Creek, General Sheridan said, "'Shake em up a little, Bill, and give us some old-time stage driving.' I gave the horses a crack or two of the whip, and they started off at a very rapid gait. They had a light load to pull, and kept increasing their speed at every jump, and I found it difficult to hold them. They fairly flew over the ground, and at last we reached a steep hill, or divide, which led down into the valley of the medicine. There was no brake on the wagon, and the horses were not much on the hold back. I saw that it would be impossible to stop them. All I could do was to keep them straight in the track, and let them go it down the hill for three miles, which distance, I believe, was made in about six minutes. Every once in a while the hind wheels would strike a rut and take a bound, and not touch the ground again for fifteen or twenty feet. The Duke and the General were kept rather busy in holding their positions on the seats, and when they saw that I was keeping the horses straight in the road, they seemed to enjoy the dash which we were making. I was unable to stop the team until they ran into the camp, where we were to obtain a fresh relay, and there I succeeded in checking them. The Grand Duke said he didn't want any more of that kind of driving, as he preferred to go a little slower. On arriving at the railroad, the Duke invited me into his car, and made me some valuable presents, at the same time giving me a cordial invitation to visit him, if ever I should come to his country. General Sheridan took the occasion to remind me of an invitation to visit New York, which I had received from some of the gentlemen who accompanied the general on the hunt from Fort McPherson to Hayes City, in September of the previous year. Said he, You will never have a better opportunity to accept that invitation than now. I have had a talk with General Ord concerning you, and he will give you a leave of absence whenever you are ready to start. Write a letter to General Stager, of Chicago, that you are now prepared to accept the invitation, 
and he will send you a pass. Thanking the general for his kindness, I then bade him and the Grand Duke good-bye, and soon their train was out of sight. End of chapter 25